Once upon a time there was a world in which fantastical creatures were commonplace. They lived in plain sight and did very much as they pleased. That world has become one of humans now, and creatures of the other realms are regarded with great suspicion, if they are even noticed at all. It is in the more bleak of the two worlds that Nicholas finds himself. Nicholas is 11 years old, and his father has moved him from the excitement of a hectic, grinding city to an old farmhouse in the countryside. From the scowl on his face, it would seem Nicholas is at odds with his decision, perhaps at odds with the topsy-turvy unpredictability of life itself. As we find him, Nicholas is seated most sullenly on the front porch of his new home, a tall, handsome-faced boy, frowning savagely at the vivid vista of emerald grasses and upwards towards the cotton-dotted skies. The magic of springtime whispers all around him. It tickles his ears and sings in most beguiling whispers. He reaches up and swats the air around his head, trying to rid himself of the intrusion. He has considered running away. Casting a speculative look around him, he realizes, with a sinking heart, that there really isn't anywhere he's interested in running. Rising slowly to his feet, Nicholas ventures across the grass towards the tree line. The property is ringed by a thick forest, massive tree trunks stretching up towards the sky. Bending the neck and pulling the head back as far as it can go, one can just make out the faint line where the evergreen branches meet the soft azure of the sky. The frown deepens. As a city boy, the woods have always made Nicholas a bit uncomfortable. He would never admit that, of course. He doesn't like showing weaknesses, nor does he like uncertainty, or situations in which he was not in charge. There have been a lot of things Nicholas didn't like, as of late. A sweet burbling sound catches his attention. He listens closely and realizes it's only the melody of a tiny stream. Just beyond the first line of trees, the water bubbles merrily, shining like glass. Twisting and turning, it dances on a haphazard journey of its own making. Despite himself, Nicholas is intrigued. He cranes his neck forward for a better look. The sun beams down upon him, warming his back and shoulders encouragingly. After a moment, he takes a few steps forward. He watches the dappled light cast lively silhouetted patterns upon the forest floor. Looking back towards the old farmhouse, he tries to rationalize entry into the unfamiliar woods. He decides he should probably get to know the area, since it looks like he might be stuck here for a while. It is cooler under the canopy of the forest. Nicholas rubs his arms as he follows the stream like a path. It winds in ribbons through the tree roots and around the moss-covered rocks. Its rhythmic splashing beats out a steady percussion. In the early months of spring, the woods hold a certain sweet dampness that one never finds in the city. Nicholas stops and scratches his head. He has been lulled by the sounds of the forest. The fresh air has filled his lungs and made him forget his bad humor. But how far had he gone? He couldn't have been walking for very long, but he's lost track of time. He turns in a circle. There are only more woods to be seen. Looking down, he notices the way the giant tree roots rise up and rest upon the rolling forest floor, winding like serpents. No matter, he thinks. I'll just follow the stream back home. Deciding to return the way he has come, Nicholas feels an odd chill across the back of his neck. He startles as a shadow passes very quickly behind him. 
spinning in the opposite direction. His chest is tight. His breath catches in his throat. He swears he must be imagining it, but he thinks he hears the sound of metal clinking, like coins. It reminds him of the cash register at his favorite comic book shop in the city. Then he hears a voice. Would you be lost then? A deep, rich voice very close to his ear. Nicholas jumps and faces the direction of the sound, but no one is there. It is a risky thing to be wandering alone, especially in an unfamiliar forest. Nicholas's eyes are wide as dinner plates. He scans the trees in the forest for the owner of the voice, squinting into the distance. Is it a light you be needing? I think I can help you with that. Suddenly a flame appears, floating in the air several feet from Nicholas's face. It's a small flame, but he can feel the heat. It's real. He stares at the amber light in stunned disbelief. Aye, said the voice knowingly. It is a bad habit to be seen only with the eyes. Why don't you try to feel what's before you? Nicholas swallows nervously. He would not show he was afraid. He watches the flame flicker and tried to concentrate on the space around it. To his amazement, he thinks he can detect the faint outline of something. Relaxing into the feeling, he starts to see the vague shape is actually a rather solid form, and that form looks like a small man. The flame, dancing merrily now, is actually being used to light the end of a long wooden pipe. The small man is affixed at the end of the pipe. As he inhales, his whole body brightens. When he exhales, he grows dimmer and harder to see. He is a very peculiar man, only about three feet tall and dressed in a dark green suit, blending seamlessly with the mossy floor. At his waist, a large gold buckle gleams, and on his head, a long hat of a similar green is set at a jaunty angle. Nicholas stares at him and is starting to feel a bit ill. This odd little man isn't really a man at all. He's not even human. He's a leprechaun. The man smiles, as though sensing Nicholas's thoughts. Something about the way the corners of his mouth cut sharply tells Nicholas to keep his guard. And here I had you pegged as a different sort of lad. But it seems you are like all the others. Tis the gold you're after. The smile cuts even more sharply as the leprechaun looks Nicholas over. His devious brain is ever-turning. He decides to play a different hand. Ah, no, I see it must be something else. You're a lad with a deep and powerful need. Tis a wish you be after. I'm not after anything, Nicholas retorted. Although in the quiet of his own thoughts, he has to admit all this talk of gold and wishes is kind of appealing. I'm on a walk through the woods, just enjoying a beautiful spring day. Nicholas gestured to the tiny sliver of blue sky still visible through the thick branches above them. Quick as a wink, the leprechaun is gone. Nicholas blinks and looks around. A second later, he spies the little creature a few feet away, laying stretched out across an enormous rock. He is on his back, with one leg bent and crossed over the top of the other. He bounces his foot as he puffs on his pipe. The small green eyes study Nicholas appraisingly. Aye, lad, do you know what I am, then? The mouth is cunning, the lips a crooked twist. Nicholas's stomach lurches, a sign that he should use great caution. The creature has rolled over onto one elbow to face him. He has placed his pipe on the rock beside him. It continues to smoke, 
all by itself. Nicholas swallows and takes a deep, brave breath. Of course I know what you are. Anyone could guess. You're a gremlin. At that, the leprechaun blinks and pulls his head back in surprise. He retrieves his pipe, still puffing from the rock, and grips it between his teeth. Aye, it is a gremlin that I am. Hmm. Nicholas hides his smile. He knows very well this peculiar character is a leprechaun, just as he knows he is a trickster and cannot be trusted. Nicholas knows something about that sort, probably because he is a bit of that sort himself. He has always been very clever and instinctively knows what to say and do to get people to go his way. As he watches the creature, he can see the trickiness rising in waves. The air around him is thick, and it doesn't move. It drags, slow like molasses, a dense, murky muck. When a trickster like the leprechaun asks you if you know something, it's always best if he thinks the something you know is nothing at all. Like any self-respecting child, Nicholas has read his fairy stories. He knows you don't make deals with mysterious strangers at a crossroads. The same way you don't take candy, apples, or beauty from any of the seemingly harmless yet highly suspicious characters you meet while you amble through the woods. He most certainly knows, without a doubt, that you do not put your faith in a leprechaun, no matter how clever you think you are. Nicholas knows all of this, but still, there is something about the moment that is just too delicious. He can't bring himself to walk away. He has always held a fascination for magic. One of his favorite ways to spend a Saturday afternoon was watching the city street performers. They would disappear coins, scarves, jewelry, and once a dove, only to have it all reappear with the snap of their fingers. This is the kind of ability that Nicholas would like to have. Wouldn't he be stronger, more independent, more powerful if he had it? The leprechaun, now ringed in pipe smoke, sits atop the rock, watching the boy with patient calculation. He senses a great need in the child, and he is biding his time, curious for what might come. So it is only the fine day that brings you into the woods. Nicholas nodded, watching and waiting. The leprechaun's voice was casual and soft as velvet. Sit with me a moment, then. I have a great many treasures and stories of magic that might be of interest to you. Nicholas looked around. His curiosity was like a living creature, pulling him towards the shyster. He found his legs bending as he looked up into the dark face. The leprechaun waved his long hands in the air and smiled. Nicholas squinted and thought he saw something pop into existence. It looked like a small sack. The leprechaun smirked. Can't you see it, then? If you let it just come to you, and you try not to force it. Nicholas nodded. He could make out the sack more clearly now. It was more like a purse with a gold knob on the top of it. Is that where you keep your gold? The comment prompted a grin of great enthusiasm from the little devil. Aye, but my gold is my magic, and I keep it everywhere. It exists all around me. Nicholas frowned suspiciously. That didn't make any sense to him. What do you mean? How can your gold be all around you? And how is your gold your magic? Leaning forward, the leprechaun grew very serious. What is gold, then, if not an abundance? A wealth of energy saved? He gestured to the air around him. Your thoughts be your power. That's where the magic comes from, from within. 
Without your magic, you do not even see the sack. If you cannot see the sack, you will never see the gold. This was interesting to Nicholas. Does that mean that I have magic? There was a flash of crooked teeth. The velvet voice was beside his ear once more. Aye, lad, do you want to see more? Without waiting for a response, the leprechaun snapped his fingers and disappeared. Nicholas hears a faint tinkling sound in the distance. After a moment, a shiny gold trolley comes into view. It has a dark green canopy, fluttering in a gentle, unseen breeze. Above it floats a diamond chandelier that glitters hypnotically. It casts beams of light, all shades of the rainbow, through the trees and deep into the darkest corners of the woods. The vehicle rolls gracefully over the uneven ground, traveling on enormous ruby-encrusted wheels. Somewhere, an invisible bell is ringing sweetly, the cheerful sound echoing through the leaves. As the magnificent trolley ambles towards him, Nicholas can see that there are wooden shelves within it, laden with colorful cakes and pastries and candies, licorice whips and lollipops and ice cream that will never melt. Nicholas stares, eyes widening as he realizes the trolley has no motor or mechanical device to pull it. Another bit of magic pulled from the ether by this strange little man. The leprechaun has reappeared and is regarding the display with equal interest and curiosity. Tis always interesting when the magic reveals itself. Tis a surprise of it. You never know quite what we will receive. He turns to Nicholas. His focus is sharp once more. Help yourself, lad. The taste is beyond your imagining. Nicholas feels the tug of curiosity once more. He takes one step forward, then he stops short. He thinks he hears a noise. It's a soft, whispery voice near Nicholas's ear. He's not to be trusted, said the voice. The trolley is magic, but it's energy of a dark place. His purse, full of gold, is not but a porthole. He would have you touch the gold and spend the rest of eternity at the bottom of his bag of riches. The little voice cautioned him. You would have more money than you ever dreamed of, but the weight of it would crush your every bone. Nicholas holds very still. It seems only he can hear the little voice. The grimy old trickster is puffing away on his pipe, regarding something in the distance. Something about the message feels very true. He has a bad feeling about that bag of gold that the leprechaun speaks of with such enthusiasm. Without turning his head, Nicholas tries to look in the direction of the voice. There is a tiny orange light floating to his left. Ah! The leprechaun yells suddenly, jumping to his feet. He waves a hand at the floating light. Pixie, off with you then, you ridiculous night light. Tis no concern of yours. The pixie's light rises higher and higher. The leprechaun grabs his pipe tightly and blows hard on the wooden handle. Black soot and ember sparks fly towards the pixie, narrowly missing the ember glow. Tis a nuisance, so it is, fluttering and twinkling and offering a word at the very worst of times. The towering stovepipe of a hat spins madly, like a pinwheel on top of his head. Nicholas casts several quick looks around him, partly to see where the pixie has gone, but also because he's curious. How many other fluttering, twinkling critters are living secret lives in the dim gloom of the forest? The leprechaun is now much altered. No longer relaxed, he creeps towards the boy with an unnerving intensity. Aye, there's not much time now, lad. 
We must make the transaction. Nicholas does not like the sound of this. He takes a step back and silently wishes for help. He isn't sure exactly what he's expecting, but he thinks he would greatly appreciate any intervention. The flickering orange light reappears. He hears the pixie's voice in his ear, calm but insistent. Whatever you do, Nicholas, do not let yourself become trapped in his shroud. Nicholas needs no prompting. He can see the energy rising up from the leprechaun like a hideous cloak. He instinctively understands that once the darkness ensnares him, there will be no escaping. Maybe the leprechaun hasn't been completely dishonest. Maybe there is an intelligence in magic. Maybe it does exist within him. Nicholas doesn't have time to worry about that now, or time to worry about how the magic might deliver itself. He focuses all his concentration on the leprechaun, on the dark flint eyes that glitter maliciously. Nicholas takes a deep breath and raises his hands. He works on feeling alone, just as the leprechaun taught him. The inky shroud is very near, close enough to touch. Nicholas draws up his own energy, pushing it out of him like a waterfall. Dimly aware that his energy is a light bluish-green color, Nicholas feels it all around him, warm, tingling, and light. He sees it moving quickly towards the leprechaun. Once it starts, it moves at an alarming rate, overtaking the little creature's charcoal density, lifting the tiny man up into the air. The wave of energy transports him through the cool mist, sending him a great distance into the darkness. Breathing heavily with exhaustion, Nicholas rests his hands on his knees. Looking down, he notices the wooden pipe at his feet, resting on a thatch of lichen. For the first time, it was extinguished and cool to the touch. Quickly, he picks it up and stuffs it in his pocket. Turning on his heel, he thunders back along the stream, towards the farmhouse. He doesn't stop until his feet hit the clearing. He sees the blinding light of the midday sun and feels its comforting heat on his face. Throwing himself down on the old wooden porch steps, he gasps, delighted to feel the hard boards beneath his chin. Suddenly, large shiny shoes appear in front of him, and he lets out an anguished yell of terror. What's gotten into you? It's time for dinner. Let's have some bagels and locks, and you can tell me once again how much you missed your comic book shop. Nicholas's father smiles down at him, offering a hand to pull the boy up. Nicholas hugs his father very tightly. A part of him really had thought he might never see him again. What would Nicholas have done then? He would have been all alone in the world. But of course he knows it's just an illusion, another of the leprechaun's tricks and sense of twisted fun. His father hugs him back just as fiercely. Sniffing slightly, he bends down and takes him by the shoulders. His father looks him square in the eyes. I'm very proud of you, Nicholas. That is all he said as the two walked into the farmhouse, arm around shoulders and arm around waist. Nicholas never told anyone about his experience with the leprechaun. After all, who would have believed it? As the years went by, he actually began to appreciate what the horrible little creature had done for him. Quite by accident, despite his less than honorable intentions, the leprechaun had showed Nicholas how to tap into his own power. His life was very different after that. Nicholas lived to be an old man. He had children, and grandchildren, and even great-grandchildren. Even after Nicholas departed the mundane world and passed on to the realm of spirit, the long wooden pipe was kept safe. Every generation that followed, 
past the leprechaun's pipe in a sealed glass box onwards through the years. Even as we sit and share this story, somewhere in the forest, in a dark hole deep under a forgotten stream, there is a strange little rock with an end that is very long, like a stovepipe hat, and a front with an odd etching, like wide eyes and a round mouth. This unusual little stone is very old. It has been there for many of the Earth's cycles. It sits in stillness, as though it is waiting, waiting for someone to find the pipe and light it.